0: Shadow of the Hook by Wolfgang Wimmers. Passage 5 Howling Heads and Patchwork Sleds Within a dank cave, in a rusted old cage, sat Sandy, restrained and alone. The grovel outside, all bursting with rage, found more anger than he'd ever known. Sandy took stock of the cave where he hid, his harmful intentions arising. A furious fire was lit at the pit. The warmth of the lair was surprising. He stormed her with shouting and terrible roars. She offered him warmth and affection. He stamped and he stomped, making holes in the floors. She tended his wounds with perfection. He tried once again with a grumbling roar to get Sandy to tell of her knowing. She talked of forgiveness, but not any more of companions and where they were going. She offered to show him that friendship and trust could overcome fear and distresses. The grobble stormed out of the cave in a huff, swearing taunts, threatening terrible messes. He stewed in deep thinking and wandered about, and he pondered the fairy's opinion, till below him he noticed a lone goblin scout, he then kidnapped to serve as his minion. He questioned the goblin, who babbled and crowed with mountains of new information. So he let the scout go and took Sandy in tow for he now knew the lad's destination. Uh, what did you say? asked Rosa. A, a unicorn? Oh, I, ha- I have to see it, Ash. I just have to. Oscar shook his head in disbelief. <laughs> Yep, this I have to see. Okay, very quietly and slowly walk towards me, said Ash. They crept down the path. As they neared the clearing, they could see, through the breaks in the branches, the hindquarters of a white animal. Let's get closer, said Rosa. As quietly as they could, They snuck to the edge of the trees. Quilby nodded his head at the group and whispered in breathless awe, Unicorn! With great excitement, the children peered out from around the bushes. The creature faced away from them. It was pure white and the same size as a Shetland pony. Although Rosa was expecting something much larger, She let out a squeak of delight just the same. On hearing the newcomers, the creature lifted its head gracefully and turned to them, a tuft of grass hanging out of its mouth. It was a goat. It was a large, white billy goat with one twisted horn that tilted out from its head at an angle. "'What?' asked Rosa. Oscar burst into a fit of laughter. Quilby turned to them. "'Shh,' he whispered. "'The the, the fabled unicorn has returned.' As the goat stared at them blankly, the blob of grass it had been chewing fell from the side of its mouth. "Are, "'Are you kidding me?' said Rosa. "'That's a goat!' OK, it's a it's a very large goat with a lovely white coat, but it's no unicorn. It's just a goat with one weird-looking horn, can't you see? This set Oscar off again. He burst into peals of laughter once more. Uh, th- this isn't a unicorn? Are you sure? asked Quilby, a befuddled look spreading across his face. "'A unicorn is like a a large, majestic, magical horse "'that has one long, beautiful pointed horn,' said Rosa. Seemingly unable or unwilling to grasp Rosa's explanations, Quilby gestured towards the goat once more, a hopeful look coming to his face. Ash, meanwhile, looked back and forth between the animal and Rosa, looking confused. "'No, you two, that's a goat,' she repeated her frustration showing. "'It's an animal that lives on a farm, usually. Yes, this one's only got one horn, but that doesn't make it a unicorn.' After a pause to digest this new information, Quilby grinned widely and said, "'It, it, it could be a goat No one else laughed at the joke. "'You may be right, lass,' Ash said at last. "'These horses and goats, well, they're creatures of your human world, "'and we folk don't often visit your world. "'It's been many years since any of our kind have seen a unicorn. "'But even if he's not a unicorn,' Rosa rolled her eyes, "'he might still come in useful. "'And he seems friendly enough, so let's introduce ourselves.' Rosa shook her head. She was clearly still upset that the fairy folk didn't entirely believe her. Nonetheless, she joined the others in the introductions. Some careful hand-sniffing and tickles under the chin. Well, despite being a goat, he does seem pretty smart, she said. They appeared to have found a new travel companion. When the goat turned back to grazing they decided that this was a good place and time to stop for something to eat themselves. Whilst Ash and Oscar unpacked the lunches Mum had made, Quilby potted around the clearing, collecting flowers and herbs for his potions, then raced around after a large brown moth, presumably also for some magical purpose. After a meal of ham and salad sandwiches, with fruit and chocolate chip cookies to finish, they all felt quite satisfied. Ash rubbed his tummy and leaned back against a tree, idly watching Rosa petting the goat's white mane. <laughs> "'Goat of corn!' he chuckled. They all joined in with Ash's laughter. When the laughter died out, Ash's face became serious once more. "'We, uh, and we need to start thinking about the next part of the journey,' he said. Y- "'Yes, w- we've got to find a way across the swamp,' said Quilby. It must be pretty close, Oscar said. You can really smell that sulphur now. You're right, lad. It's just a few paces beyond the edge of the trees over there. Well, there's no time like the present, as Dad says, Oscar said, packing their lunch wrappers back into the bag. The goat was right at their heels as they walked a little way into the trees, in the direction the smell was coming from. There, in front of them and stretching off into the distance on both sides was the swamp. It was warm and it stank. The water was a dark brown and offered little plant life apart from thick, ugly moss and swamp grasses. In the distance, beyond the swamp, the forest loomed once more, darker and denser. Crossing the swamp to the forest ahead looked like the only way to go other than going back the way they had come. And they certainly weren't going back to the fork. None of them wanted to tangle with the wasps again. Eh, "'It's a foot or two deep by the looks of it,' said Oscar, poking a stick into the water. "'Too deep to walk across.' "'Hmm,' Quilby said. I, I, "'I'm getting an idea. W- "'What if we try to make some kind of sled "'and uh, tie it to the goat?' "'William!' Rosa said. Oscar and Ash looked at one another, rolling their eyes. Rosa caught their look and poked her tongue out of them. Quilby looked puzzled. The, "'The goat!' Rosa explained. "'I've named him William.' Um, all, "'All right, then,' Quilby said. Uh, "'If we make a sled, William can, can pull us along on it.' "'Good thinking, lad!' It's those smarts that make you such a good travel companion. Now, everyone, start looking around for things we could use as a sled. They split up, searching around the edges of the swamp and back toward the clearing. After a little while, Oscar's voice rang out from behind a huge pine tree. Quilby and Ash scurried over. Oscar was wrestling with a long piece of scaly bark, dangling near the base of the tree, struggling to tear it away. (laughs) <laughs> it, "'It was mostly hanging off already,' <sighs> he panted. "'Give me a hand, guys.' They jumped in and began tugging at the bottom of the bark as Oscar focused on pulling its top. After a few jerks back and forth, the bark snapped with a loud crack and Oscar toppled backward. As he scrambled to get out of Oscar's way, Ash's broken fairy wings flitted frantically, trying in vain to lift him up into the air. With a crash... The heavy piece of bark hit Oscar right in the forehead, then landed on top of him. Frantically, the two fairy folk clambered over the bark to try and see if he was hurt. Oscar, lad, are you okay? asked Ash, struggling to lift the bark. There was no answer. The telephone had been ringing for over a minute. Hilda von Lipp stared out the window. She knew exactly who was calling. The phone was a bulky old black plastic box from another time. No one had phones like this anymore. On the yellowing paper in the centre of the dial, a faded word was written. Magic. Von Lipp smiled as she saw the word. She took a deep breath and picked up the phone. Her sickly, sweet voice rang out. "'Welcome to Spellbound Specialties! What magic can I help you with?' She listened for a few moments, then spoke again. All the sweetness was gone from her voice. "'Give me a moment, please, sir.' Placing the phone receiver on the counter, Von Lipp moved to the door. She flipped the sign to closed and shuffled back to pick up her phone. ''What do you want from me now?'' she asked. She listened. ''I understand all too well what I owe the company, Mr. Cloven, and why.'' She listened for another minute. ''Yes,'' Von Lipps said. ''But I need more time.'' "'You must understand. "'We've talked about this before. "'It's not easy to get hold of, especially for me.' "'She waited again as the other person spoke. "'I need more time!' "'She screamed down the phone, her face distorted with rage. "'A storm of words flew back down the line at her, "'so loud that she had to hold the receiver out an inch from her ear.' Von Lip quickly pulled herself together. I apologize, Mr. Cloven. I do know my place in the company. I... I'm closer than ever. And I'll have it for you soon, I promise. I'm working on something right now. I know time is of the essence. Von Lipp listened for another few seconds then put the phone down. For a brief moment she was still, and then let out a wild scream. She tore at her hair and beat her fists on the counter. She raged and raged until finally her anger turned into tears, and she sunk to the floor, sobbing for long minutes. Once she had calmed somewhat, she picked herself up and set to work swooping around the shop she plucked different items from the shelves then dashed into her back room where she kept the special items the hidden things there she grabbed jars of spices and different kinds of colored gloop but the final ingredient was the most important going back out to the counter she opened the drawer and carefully took out some of the most precious and recently secured item, without which the spell would not be possible. Von Lipp took everything out back again, to the kitchen, where she began mixing ingredients on her mortar and pestle. Once they were ground into a paste, she placed the mixture along with a foul-smelling brown liquid into a pot on the stove to warm. This was powerful potion magic. And it was fast magic. Steam had barely begun rising from the pot, when Von Lipp noticed movement out of the corner of her eye. She turned to look at her mirror. Sure enough, Oscar and Rose's faces were beginning to appear in the glass, alongside those of two magical creatures. Ah, there you are, she whispered with a crooked smile. Quilby and Ash looked down into Oscar's face. His eyes were closed and still. Oscar, lad, can you hear us? Are you okay? asked Ash. Nothing. Check if he's breathing, said Quilby. Ash was just beginning to climb down to Oscar when the boy's face burst into life with a loud Ash jumped backward in fright, his broken wings flittering. Quilby, too, leapt back suddenly. In fact, he was so startled that he tumbled right off the bark. Ta-da! declared Oscar with a laugh, flipping the bark over. Sled! Uh, uh, Indeed, lad, said Ash, pulling himself together. But you scared the pumpkins out of me. Quilby merely chuckled and shook his head. Now this will truly make a perfect sled, said Oscar. And look, Rosa said, appearing behind him. I found these huge frogs all tied up with vines. The frogs won't be much use, but the vines will make good rope if we can untangle them. "Ooh," said Oscar, eyeing the large frogs that struggled uncomfortably in each of Rosa's hands. The larger of the two frogs puffed out its throat and let out a loud... Oscar and Rosa spent the next few minutes untying the vines from the squirming frogs, which were much too large for the fairy folk to grapple with. The hapless frogs bounded away as soon as their last tether was removed. With Ash and Quilby's help, the children then tied the rope to sled and to goat. They stood back to admire their handiwork. "'Well, that's not our best work, is it?' said Ash." But it should hold together long enough to keep us mostly dry. Uh, I think I might be able to help out here, said Quilby. I can cast a a levitation spell on the sled to to keep it out of the water. And if I ride on on, on William's back, I'll be able to guide him. The others agreed that it was as good a plan as any and watched while Quilby got his preparations underway. A spot of hat rummaging and a puff of purple powder later, and the sled slowly lifted a few inches off the ground. Looking rather tentatively pleased with himself, Quilby said, ''Oh, okay, okay, Oscar, lift me up onto William's back. Once I'm up, everyone else can hop onto the sled. Let, let, let's get across this s- swamp.'' Oscar helped Quilby up onto William's Withers, where the little gnome grabbed hold of the goat's ears. Behind him, Oscar clambered aboard the hovering sled, Rosa and Ash in tow. Hold on tight, kids, said Ash. The three passengers grasped the sled's curved bark edge and braced themselves. Quilby whispered something into William's ear, who immediately lurched forward into the murky waters of the swamp the next part of the journey was exhausting for all involved. As William struggled through the fetid waters, the sled lurched from side to side. Every now and then, despite Quilby's levitation spell, it dipped into the marsh, stinking brown water splashing over its edges. In fact, the levitation spell really wasn't holding up its end of the bargain. A number of times, Oscar had to put his leg into the nasty water and pushed them off a rough patch of moss or mud. When the companions in the sled weren't dodging splashes of foul water, they were ducking from bumblebees and dragonflies. Oscar soon tired of swatting away insects. He wondered whether this swamp was where all the insects of Windward Heights spent their winter months. They were everywhere. Moths and mosquitoes, flies and fleas, crickets and katydids. Minutes seemed like hours, But they finally reached the far side of the swamp, safe, if a little wet and smelly. As they reached hard ground, Oscar jumped from the sled and led William out of the waters to a small patch of grass at the dark forest's edge. As he detached the rope and sled from William, he studied him for a while, then patted the creature's head. Mmm, I've never really liked goats, he told Rosa, who had jumped off the sled and followed him. "'They creep me out,' he continued. "'It's the weird eyes.' Once William was settled, Oscar took the small towel out of the backpack and they took turns drying off. When they were done, Oscar gave it a good squeeze, then hung it from one of the pack's straps. Not that it would dry in this weather. They rejoined the others to rest a while, Rosa sitting with the lads. She and Ash began discussing the nature of goats and whether or not unicorns actually existed.' Half listening to their conversation, Quilby began crafting a few spells with ingredients pulled from the depths of his hat. When he pulled out a familiar-looking piece of paper, Rosa said, Hey, is that my fairy note? You took it, you rascal! Quilby's large, round eyes looked up at her innocently. I I, I didn't didn't think you'd mind. It's uh, only a, a piece of paper with with some sort of scribble on it. Scribble? What do you mean, scribble? I was hoping a fairy would answer that note. Ash stepped in. Lass, a fairy wouldn't be able to read that, he said, looking over at the note. It's written in human. Humph, snorted Rosa, storming off to the forest edge. While this was going on, Oscar had wandered off to catch a few moments to himself. He stared thoughtfully into the brown water of the swamp. He'd spent a lot of time like this lately, staring at nothing in particular, turning things over in his mind. The last few months had been really hard at school and there was no one he could talk to about it. And if there was, what would he even tell them? He turned back to look at the others. At least now he had something to occupy him, to stop him focusing on how sad he felt all the time toward the forest, William stood gnawing on a tuft of grass. He raised his head and stopped chewing, staring straight at Oscar. He then looked at each of the companions in turn, before casually returning to chewing his tuft.